A ship was wrecked during a storm at sea, and only two of the men on it were able to swim to a small desert-like island. The two survivors, not knowing what else to do, agreed that they had no other response but to pray to God. However, to find out whose prayer was more powerful, they agreed to divide their territory between them and stay on opposite sides of the island. The first thing they prayed for was food. The next morning, the first man saw a fruit-bearing tree on his side of the island, and he was able to eat its fruit. The other man's parcel of land remained barren. After a week, the first man was lonely, and he decided to pray for a wife. The next day, another shipwreck nearby, and the only survivor was a woman who swam to his side of the island. On the other side of the island, there was nothing. Eventually, the first man decided to pray for clothes and more food. The next day, all of these were given to him as the belongings from yet another shipwreck were washed ashore. However, the second man still had nothing. Finally, the first man prayed for a ship so that he and his wife could leave the island. In the morning, he found that overnight, a ship had anchored on his side of the island. The first man was welcomed aboard the ship along with his wife, and he decided to say nothing of the other man, but instead leave him on the island. He considered the other man unworthy to receive God's blessings, since obviously none of his prayers had been answered. As the ship was about to leave, the first man heard a voice booming, Why are you leaving your companion on the island? My blessings are mine alone, since I was the one who prayed for them, the first man answered. His prayers were all unanswered, and so he does not deserve anything. You are gravely mistaken, the voice rebuked him. He had only one prayer, and I answered it. If I were not for his prayers, you would not, if it were not for his prayers, you would not have received any of my blessings. Tell me, the first man asked, what did he pray for that I should owe him anything? He prayed that all your prayers would be answered. He prayed that all your prayers would be answered. You know, we've been talking about marriage and relationships, and as far as relationships are concerned, no matter what kind it is, we all hope to gain something from that relationship, don't we? We all want something out of it. <clears throat> that illustration, which I wasn't going to use, I skipped the first paragraph of what I have written down here in order to use that. I just felt like that's what we needed to hear this morning. You know, it's the way our relationship with God is oftentimes, isn't it? We, we are looking to get something as opposed to being concerned about another person or submitting ourselves to God first and first foremost. Oh, we wouldn't say that we're in a relationship for selfish reasons, would we? Uh, we don't say that out loud. Uh, oftentimes, I think we, we, we do. We think, oh, well, I'm his friend because of ways that I can serve him or things that I can provide him or her, uh, but often I often we're thinking about ourselves. What can I get out of this relationship? What am I going to get from this other person? Well, this other person isn't doing what I need them to do, so I'm just going to go find somebody else that can do and give me what I want out of this relationship. How can they make me feel? If I'm not getting happiness or finding success in this relationship, then, then my efforts in uh, being a part of this relationship wane a great deal and I don't put in the effort 
and the service and the sacrifice. We will be very disappointed in our relationships if the only thing that we're in them for is ourselves. Over and over and over and over again, we will be disappointed. Uh, none of them will last very long. So, so what is the ingredient to making a relationship last a long time? Whether that's a marriage, whether that's a friendship, whether it's siblings, parent, son, or daughter. Um, how do we make our relationships last until death do I part from said Relationship. Well, we've talked a lot about necessary ingredients to relationships and marriages in the last three weeks, um, and they all promote lasting relationships. God, first of all, he uses our relationships in our lives to redeem us, to teach us things, uh, to grow us. Uh, he leads us on a path of holiness using other people. Uh, we learn unity. We learn teamwork, uh, fighting battles alongside one another, not with one another, humility and wisdom are two huge ingredients that we need, sacrifice and submission. Man, I think those are, are two of the greatest components to a lasting, healthy relationship, serving one another. Love and respect, all necessary ingredients for us as we travel this road of life together. Um, and, and last week, we also looked at how we need to practice healthy ways to work through conflict. If, look, if you missed last week, I would really encourage you to, to either listen to it on the podcast or go to our website and find it and watch the video. Um, it, it's something I think we all need to hear and we all need to follow no matter what sort of relationship we're in, whether it's you know mother, daughter, father, son, employee, employer, um, those four horsemen of the apocalypse that we looked at last week apply to all of our relationships and they're so important to know how to navigate those. Now, another ingredient that I want to talk about today to help our relationships last is joy. It's joy. Um, it, it is necessary. It's necessary to enjoy other people's company, isn't it? Friend, spouse. Uh, joy is one of those ingredients that we sometimes get wrong. We think that, that joy is this emotional, fuzzy, feeling that we have, um, but it really is, is not. Uh, fee feelings of giddiness, we think, yeah, that's joy. No, I, I would suggest that that's happiness, uh, which is different than joy. Happiness, the way I would define it and describe it, is more of a feeling, and joy is more of a state of mind. Shared joy, joy might just be the one thing that you lack right now in your relationships. And we need to enjoy one another. It's biblical. Uh, we're going to see it in multiple passages today. Even as I say those words, some of you are feeling a sense of strength because you, you do have healthy relationships and, and you do experience enjoyment and joy in those relationships Others may feel a deep sense of weakness in the joy category because maybe you've lost it. So, so look at this. In the Bible, joy is not something that simply happens to you. 
nor is it a mask that you wear to pretend everything is good when it's not. Um, Much like love, joy is a decision that we make. We did an entire series on one of Paul's letters, and the, the, the series title was Choose Joy. It's on the book of Philippians. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. Have joy in the Lord. And Proverbs tells husbands specifically, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Have joy in her. Choose joy. It's a directive because it is something that we can actually choose to work at. The Bible encourages a healthy balance of emotions, uh, sorrow and joy, grief and celebration, and each is a blessing in its own time, and a good balance keeps our mind and our relationships healthy. Rejoice together and weep together. Look, um, in, in, in the loss of my father, my family was together, and, and though he was on his deathbed, we were experiencing joy in our relationships. You see, we could have we been experiencing all of the negative sides, the sorrow, the sadness, which we did. We did experience those things. But we also chose to enjoy each other's company as my father went through the process of taking his last breath. That's a choice. That was a choice that we made. Because as I told somebody out in the entryway today, and I say this often in the reference to snow, right? Um, You can look at the six inches of snow outside on the ground and you can be grumpy and sad all day and shovel it. Or you can look at the six inches of snow outside and you can be joyful and thankful for the day and shovel it. It's up to your choice. Right? The circumstance doesn't change, but my attitude in the midst of that circumstance is different. It just is. And and for some of us, it's it's just not an easy thing to do. Maybe this joy in your relationships. Maybe you remember when your relationships used to be fun with other people. Um, but, but that wore off some time ago. Um, because, look, honestly, our real relationships have to deal with all the stress of life. They, they have to deal with um, hurt feelings and conflict and mixed emotions and, and everything else. And sometimes um, we need to just stop and pause. And we, we need to, I just love what God taught Bob this week, because that, that's so true. That is so true. So what I want to do this morning is remind you that relationships are supposed to be joyful. That's part of God's design to keep us close and help us to get through, which is the first point of your notes this morning. That's one thing that joy does. It keeps us close and it helps us to get through. Now, there's a wrong way and a right way to go about this. Okay, I used to hear uh, this. It's a superficial solution. I used to hear this phrase that I thought was a good one. In fact, I told it to several people as they processed stuff, and I'm thinking that maybe this isn't really a good thing. Maybe sometimes, um, but it's not a good antidote for lasting relationships. Maybe you've heard it. It's this, fake it till you make it. 
That is terrible theology. Look, it might be okay in a superficial situation where you're just trying to get by, okay? Maybe it can be an okay thing. But look, this is, this is the wrong way to keep close to people and to get through to the end. It truly is just make-believe. Just put on a happy face. That's not the joy that we're talking about today. That's not true joy. Um, Fake it till you make it is looking at all of those families laughing and having fun and wishing that you had what they have. Facebook is great for promoting this. Look, those are advertisements. Those are things that you see on TV in order to sell you something. Um, real joy can't be bought and it can't be faked. Sure, a vacation can provide a great opportunity for joy but it can't make your family happy. A good way to find joy in your life and relationships is to, and this is the good way, choose and work at it to the end. Okay, And, and don't, don't put that word work in bold because I'm going to sort of debunk that a little bit in the next point, but, but choose and work at it to the end. Really, joy is something that we choose. And it's something that we work at to hold on to through struggle and trials. In the Bible, joy is paired up often with trials, with struggle. Joy is paired up with trials just as much as it's paired up with celebration. Seems weird, but it's true. James chapter 1, Philippians chapter 4, Romans chapter 5, we are consistently called to rejoice through those struggles, in the midst of those struggles. Which tells me joy is not something that's just a feeling. It is something that we choose. It is a state of mind. See, it's up to us whether we treat our spouse or our friend as someone to vent our frustration on or to exact something from them or someone to share that struggle with and to walk that road of struggle with. to strengthen and be strengthened, to walk with and alongside. If you vent anger and frustration on each other as a daily routine, don't expect a vacation to magically fix your relationship. Uh, we must put in the work and learn how to enjoy all of life together. And we need to realize that there's often an ebb and flow in our relationships, right? I mean, emotions affect the ebb and flow of our relationships. Hormones affect the ebb and flow of our relationships. Um, life experience. My, my family is far from perfect, trust me. Uh, my family is not a problem-free Christian family. We argue, we frustrate each other. We're normal, right? Uh, we, um, that some sort of unrealistic idealism of a perfect family is not a healthy thing. It's not a healthy thing to imagine. Um, neither is trying to be like someone else. Every family and every relationship has its own dynamics. So what is, what is healthy is a good sense of humility. To be real with each other. To recognize that, that this other pe person is, why are they feeling this way? Well, let's ask them a question. Why are you feeling this way? 
Where is this emotion coming from? Where, where does this viewpoint come from? Where does this attitude come from? I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying that judgmentally. I, I want to understand. I want to understand. And you know, man, we, we got to have, have some sense of humor in our relationships, right? Um, we need to laugh together as we grow. Laughter is a very powerful thing. Proverbs 17.22 says of a, a cheerful, that a cheerful heart is medicine for your soul. And I think, like you said, Carissa, this, a lot of people in this building understand that laughter is a good thing. And it's okay to laugh in this room. There's a reason we don't call this the sanctuary. My church growing up had a sanctuary. I was spanked for running in that room. Look, this is a room. This is a place where God's family gathers together, and that's what sets this room apart from any other room. It's us being together. So, question, are you stuck in a rut of dullness in your relationships? Um, has life become all work and no play? What, what are some things that you could do to enjoy each other? And, and when you do something that you enjoy with a friend, do you tell them? Did you say, you know what, man, that was a great time. I just really liked being together with you. Um, and, and I don't mean that in a romantic way either, trust me. Uh, it's okay to tell your friend that that was really enjoyable. We should do that again sometime. Uh. Jeremiah 33, 10 through 11 says this. This is what the Lord says. You have said, this is a desolate land where people and animals have all disappeared. Yet in the empty streets of Jerusalem and Judah's other towns, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and laughter. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will be heard again, along with the joyous songs of people bringing thanksgiving offerings to the Lord. They will sing, give thanks to the Lord of heaven's armies, for the Lord is good. His faithful love endures forever, for I will restore the prosperity of this land to what it was in the past says the Lord, Jeremiah 33, 10 through 11. Joy is powerful stuff. And it keeps us close and it helps us get through. Next, we need to make note that joy and pleasure are not the same thing. Okay, God wants us to enjoy life, but having said that, it does not mean that we should be living for pleasure. Um, that's idolatry. That's a selfish thing. Joy is found in enjoying life as God has given it, whatever that turns out to be. Throughout the years of our relationship, Sarah and I have done, I mean, we've done a lot of things that have given us joy. Um, I mean, we've experienced a lot of things that haven't, for sure. Um, but, you know, we're, we're both a little bit competitive, not she's ne nearly as competitive as I am, and Unfortunately, uh, you know, there's this thing called geocaching. We don't do it anymore because I overdid it, of course. 
and burned my wife out on it. I could do it forever. Um, you, you get GPS locations and you go find these things and they're little treasure boxes and some of them are hidden. And, and when we were heavy into this, I mean, uh, we, were, we paid for the premium subscription so that when one was posted, we would get a notification so we could go be the first ones to find it. And we wandered around out in a pasture um, west of Fort Laramie in the rain and in the dark looking for one of these things. I thought we were going to get shot. I was, I was worried. There's coyotes in the distance, but, but it was something that we enjoyed doing together. We didn't find it. In fact, we found out the next day that her mother, who submitted it, actually recorded the numbers wrong, and we were a mile off. What, what, other, what, what kinds of things do you, I mean, we, we've, we've enjoyed celebrating birthdays and anniversaries and, and graduations of, of friends and family. What, what are those things that you like to do with friends? You got to do some of them. You know, God put us here to work, yes, but not only that. He put us here to experience joy. Uh, I mean, even yard work and garden work have provided joy and laughter throughout the years. Uh, so why is having fun together important? Could it be that joy is an expression of love? And that fun is one of those things that fits into that as well? Um, turn to Galatians chapter 5, if you would. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 lays out the fruit of the Spirit and, and at the beginning of that list, as you turn there, I'm just going to give you some of the words, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and, and so on. God expresses his love through us in, in joy. Uh, he expresses his love through us in patience and kindness and so on. Uh, love and joy go together because enjoying life together, enjoying one another communicates love. I don't know, kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Maybe. Laughing together is a love language. Enjoying a friend's company speaks love. It says, I like you, and, 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 and I want to uh, enjoy this relationship for a long time. And we even find it in God's covenant with us. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. There's joy in that. In his love, he rejoices over you. And in our love, we can rejoice over others. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. That goes to the long-lasting aspect of our relationships. Uh, for those of you who are in the room who are married, do you guys ever finish each other's sentences? Um, you know, Sarah and I do that all the time, and, and I know that we're good at it because I don't hear her half the time. And we still finish each other's sentences. Um, do we also frustrate and annoy each other at times of course we do. We are human, but the joy that we share and choose together keeps us going strong and allows us to endure the, the trials and the struggles and frustrations. At Bible study the other day, 
Um, we, were, we were at the end of Bible study, we, were all, we always gravitate to the kitchen. Before we're out there, after we're out there. And we were standing around in the kitchen before uh, another couple left. And um, somebody, somebody made some comment. And a friend of mine, Roy Trowbridge back there, and I, we both said, exa- we said the exact same thing out loud, word for word. You know, I, I consider... Roy a good friend, and that's a relationship that I hope endures to the end of time. We do a lot of stuff together. We joke around a lot. We have a lot of fun. In fact, we've worked hard, hard together and found enjoyment in that. Why? You know, uh, our friendships, God wants us to enjoy each other. I mean, seriously, Roy and I, as friends, we get each other most of the time. And whether your friend is funny or musical or clever or culinary or whatever they take pride in, one of the best things that you can do is enjoy time with them. Laugh, applaud, eat, appreciate, enjoy who they are and all that God has made them to be. The times you spend with family, as siblings, or with friends from school, man, you got to do the fun stuff. Do things together that help you enjoy each other's company and friendship. Uh, The verse before verse 17 in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 16 says this, on that day the announcement to Jerusalem will be, cheer up Zion, don't be afraid. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Choose joy, have fun. Joy keeps us close and helps us get through. It is a state of mind. It is a conscious decision. And joy is not Selfish pleasure, it is very different from that. So what do we do if joy isn't a part of our relationships? And, and maybe you're wondering if it is even possible for you to return because maybe you've spent so much time out of that. You wonder, how can we get there again? You've been struggling with it for so long. How can you make this happen? What is, what, what is your inner source of love, respect, humility, commitment, joy, and willingness to submit and sacrifice? Okay, Let's be real here. The Bible set us some really high standards. There is some really high bars that we find in Scripture. And good intentions and the old college try. Only just aren't going to cut it. This is the caveat to that word work. See, what if you give your best and you fail? What... What if it's just not in you? What then? Well, for that, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Which do you want first? Okay, the bad news first is this. It's not in you. It's not in you to do this. It's not in us. At least not in our flesh. But the good news... The good news is that there's still hope because what we need is the Spirit. The Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. You see, that's our true source of joy. That's the true source 
of joy. Look at Galatians 5 again. I hope you still have it open there. The heart of, of Galatians is verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There is no law because we can't do those things unless we have the Holy Spirit in us. It's called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. It's not the fruit of Megan or Manon. It's not the fruit of Rick or Eric. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Think through your relationships. What if we had all of those things in our relationships? Imagine it. Both of you full of love and joy, loving each other and enjoying life together, at peace with, with your, your spouse or your friend, always patient and understanding, not keeping track of any, not keeping score, but just plain good to each other, to your mom or your dad, your sister or your brother, your classmate, your boss or your employee, and kind, like thoughtful and generous. And, and faithful, which means always loyal and true to each other. And, and gentle, that's, that's a strong safe. Not, it's not weak. It's never harsh. And, and when you think of something mean or cruel to say, having the self-control to hold it back and not say it. I mean, if, if we just had those in our relationships, wouldn't we be set? And it's really simple. It's all the fruit of the Spirit. So what does that mean? That it's the fruit of the Spirit and it's not of me. Well, the Bible uses the word fruit to describe what your life naturally produces. So if you think of an orange tree, what does an orange tree pr produce? Oranges, right? What does an apple tree produce? It produces apples. It's the fruit that is coming from that apple with that purpose. It has been created to be an orange tree. And it bears fruit. When we are filled with and led by the Holy Spirit, we produce, having been filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we produce love. It is a fruit of that relationship. Joy and so on. It does come naturally from the Holy Spirit. In John 15, Jesus explains it this way. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that picture because it's simple. If I'm connected to Christ and I'm connected to, to the Holy Spirit, then I, my life, if, if I'm surrendering to him, submitting to him, repenting, then my life is going to produce that fruit. So keep your roots firmly planted in Jesus. Roots are what keeps us grounded in a storm, right? They deliver the water and the nutrients to, rest, to the rest of the plant so that it can live on. In other words, when we connect to the source, spiritually speaking, we will bear fruit. And if our source is God, that fruit will be love and joy and peace. Ephesians 3 says something similar. Just two chapters before the Bible's essential passage on Christian marriage, Paul prays first that we would be rooted and established in love and filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
He is the source for everything that we need for relationships. If, if you want to love your spouse like God loves your spouse, then submit yourself to your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that happens by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us. If you want to love your friend and your neighbor despite the things that they've said about you, despite the things that they've done, it has to come down to God himself. And, and when we're connected to the vine, it comes naturally. Now, we, God prunes it, and, and, and we can work at it to, get, to be better skilled at how we do those things. But man, if we try to do that on our own strength, it won't work. You can't fake it. We can't fake it. And, and that's what the book of Galatians is all about. Now, a little context. Galatians is a letter from Paul to Christians in Galatia who were, who were making one crucial mistake. They were trying to live for God in their own strength. They started out right, simply trusting in Jesus and relying on his grace. But then they got caught up in a bunch of, a, a bunch of rules and, and all the rights and wrongs of being the Christian that you're supposed to be. And they lost track of grace. It's easy to do. It happens when you're trying so hard to do the right thing that you lose focus on the source. I'm a rule guy. I want to know the rules, and by golly, we're going to follow them as best as we can. Black and white, that applies to monopoly. That applies to the game of risk. I have researched rules. And sometimes in the midst of that, I can lose sight of the joy of participating in the game that I'm playing and trying to figure out the rules for. That's what the Galatians were doing. Like they were a branch that wanted so badly to make good fruit, but they disconnected from the vine. But here's the key, and every gardener knows it. If you want good fruit, you got to water the roots, not the fruit. You know, Dick didn't set up a sprinkler system out there to water the apples when they appear on the trees. No, he has a drip system out there that soaks down into the roots of those trees. In fact, when you're watering roses, you don't want to get water on the petals themselves. It does damage to them, but you want to support the plant. Our relationship with God is exactly the same. Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will come. The rest will be added. Now, Galatians 5 is about our whole life as a Christian, but let's apply it to our relationships. Paul draws a clear line between two potential sources for your life, our flesh and the spirit. Walking in the flesh means living by our own strength, trying to clamp down the, the, you know, the straps of discipline and do this right. It means living by our own strength apart from God. Walking by the Spirit means living by the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, Galatians chapter 5, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. In other words, when we're living in the flesh, our desires work against us. Um, We desire sin, and it will destroy our relationships. Um, Now, you can try to restrain your flesh and fight against it and follow the rules to be a good Christian husband or wife or friend or boss or an employee, but you're really just battling flesh with flesh. And you might be able to accomplish that for a short period of time. But A, you're going to be miserable, and there isn't going to be joy in that because you're doing it wrong according to the Word of God. You know, that, that's like a, a man with muddy hands trying to use one muddy hand to wash the other muddy hand. It's like trying to clean your glasses with a dirty cloth. You can't do it, and it's frustrating. Paul describes the acts of work of the flesh, and the list is basically everything that will burn down our relationships. Look at verses 19 through 21. Sexual immorality, that's cheating or giving ourselves to another another person outside of marriage. Impurity and debauchery, that's a divided heart, sinful living. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Sounds, Sounds like a miserable relationship to me. Selfish ambition, as in living for ourselves, unwilling to submit or sacrifice, dissensions, factions, and envy. I mean, do we get the picture? That is basically a standard recipe for doomed relationships, and that's living in the flesh. And the Bible says that it's the flesh doing what it does naturally, and our enemy, the devil, feeds that. He feeds that flesh with appetites as much as he can. So don't expect in the end that by working harder in the flesh that we will find the fruit of the Spirit. We got to surrender to the Holy Spirit, get right with God, put our faith in Jesus and the, the other and, and the free offer of forgiveness at the cross. His grace is sufficient. Allow him to graft you into the vine and sink your roots into his love. Then watch what happens as the, the Holy Spirit flows through you. See, what, what happens is good fruit. Now, it isn't automatic just because you're a Christian. Galatians was written to Christians who were getting it wrong. I mean, we got to choose to abide in Jesus on a daily basis. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, enjoy each other. Smile, laugh together. Let it strengthen you through the trials. Peace, live with your hearts at peace with one another. Forbearance, be patient and willing to wait. Slow to anger and quick to forgive, which comes from our relationship with Christ. Because that's how he treats us. Kindness. Be considerate and think of little ways to bless each other at every opportunity. Goodness, be be a good man, be a good woman. Faithfulness, that's loyal and true to each other. Gentleness, not weak, but safe and tenderhearted toward one another. Self-control with the strength to resist all those temptations that will ruin our relationships. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when we invest in time spent with God, in surrender, from the opening illustration... Praying for other people. That God would bless other people. 
and recognizing in our head that he works in mysterious ways and even though we may not see what he's doing, he's doing. Paul says when we live like that, when the Holy Spirit is our source, we don't need a law or rules to guide us. Because we do what God, what we do in our minds, we're like, how can I please God today? Not, what can I get away with without breaking the rules? Our attitude, our attitude changes and love just flows. Our source, the Holy Spirit, gives us the ability to work at it. David said it this way in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Joy keeps us close and helps us get through the difficulties in this life. Joy is a state of mind, a conscious decision. It is not merely pleasure, but it is fun and it's good and it's long lasting. And the wellspring of our joy, the source of our joy, is God Himself, Father, Son. Holy Spirit, and the fruit that comes from being connected to the vine. Oh, wow, the fruit. That's how our relationships will last and last. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace. And God, thank you for reminding us this morning about joy. And um, thank you for this table that you have put before us. And Father, I pray that... uh, as we celebrate this this morning, that this morning we would do it with a smile on our face because we know that you have chosen us as followers of Christ and that we are a part of your family and that you rejoice over us. Father, I pray that you would help your spirit to fill us and work through us. Thank you for your sacrifice, for the blood that you shed, for your broken body and how you reminded us with this. In Jesus' name.